0: Welcome to Healthcare IT Today. I'm John Lin, together with my colleague and friend, Colin Hung. The world of technology and healthcare are ever-changing in new and novel ways, and that's why we love this stuff. So join us as we discuss the latest healthcare and health IT news, meshed together in new ways which help generate ideas and new perspectives. Plus, we'll have a little fun along the way. On today's episode, we'll be doing another edition of our popular health IT buy or sell, where we talk if we're buying or selling popular health IT topics. And be sure to follow the show on the social media at the hashtag HITSM, and our personal accounts at TechGuy and at Colin underscore Hung. Plus, check out our 17 years of Health IT blog content at healthcareittoday.com. I'm excited for another edition. I, I love these. <laughs> <It's> like a <laughs> <I> potpourri.
1: <laughs> do think, that's right. It's a potpourri of topics, and they're kind of fun to discuss. So yeah, they, they are good. I enjoy them.
0: We should do a, an episode where we go back and look at our health IT buys and sells and see where John was right and where John was wrong. And where
1: <laughs> <laughs> We should go back. So in other words, what are you saying? We should go back and keep score.
0: <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's it. Yeah, that's exactly
1: it. <laughs> Well, it should be fun. We have got a, we've got we got quite a number of, uh, of quite an eclectic uh, set of topics to, for buying and selling today. So yeah. I, I'm, I'm actually looking forward to this first one, John. I got to ask you. So cue hints. You're buying or selling them?
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, the reality is we have to buy them. I don't think there's anything stopping the train. Uh, Like they're literally optional and people are doing it. So I guess, you know, there's at least some desire by companies and organizations to do it. And we know that the problem that they're trying to solve is a problem. (laughs) Like being able to share data across these different. You know, whether it's HIEs or EHRs or other systems or other vendors, we know that's a problem. So I guess in that regard, I'm buying that there's a problem and I'm buying that QHINs are going to go forward. But am I buying that they're going to actually transform and solve the healthcare interoperability problem? I'm not buying that. I'm not buying that that's a good, you know, will it be a a incremental improvement? Yes. Like it'll solve some problems for some organizations and some people. But here's where I'm actually scared, Colin. I'm scared that they're actually using QHINs as a smokescreen to actually really solving the problem of healthcare interoperability. And they're just saying, well, we're part of the QHINs, so we, we solved this. What do you mean? Why are you coming to me to solve the problem in a, in a really meaningful way? Go, go deal with the QHIN, right? Like That's where we're doing it. So that's my feel. So I guess I'm not really buying it.
1: <laughs> uh, I am not buying QHINs only because I think they're just I can't understand them <laughs> Like I, I, I don't know like what is I get the problem that they're trying to solve but like you know we all want to solve the interoperability problem and in sharing of data but like this just seems like another convoluted way to do it right another like another
0: layer of bureaucracy is yeah that-
1: <laughs> I, I, I don't I don't know. I don't, I guess I haven't read enough about it. So I will say I'm a little bit ignorant, but like, I don't understand the business model. I don't understand why someone is motivated to be part of a Q hand other than a penalty. Perhaps it's not clear like what business advantage being a part of a Q hand really is any more than being part of an HIE was right or that we have. And. And I know we have a QN that's actually made up of HIEs. So I guess that makes sense. But were they not doing this before anyway? (laughs) Like I, I, I've heard of like HIEs that were talking across, you know, with each other and figuring out ways to share data. So anyway, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not buying it only because I'm not really sure what it's really meant to do or really, you know, what, what, what problem it was uniquely trying to solve.
0: Well, and what's interesting is when they did the announcement of the first six, I think it is, uh, QHINs that were, you know, uh, approved by the uh, ONC HHS, uh, you know, they, they, the secretary got up there and literally was like, we said, hey, let's solve this interoperability problem. And by the way, you get no budget and no penalties and no stimulus. Good luck. Right? and <laughs> and so you know he acknowledged that these organizations stepped up uh you know to do this even without any of those things <laughs> and so you know you look at that and like how many government programs have actually made an impact uh that haven't had those things i'm I'm not sure it's that many but uh you know again i i guess i am partially with you too like let's see how this plays out let's see how the governance structure works out you know uh, we did a great interview with uh commonwealth where they talked about hey is there going to be a record locator service and and the difference is like in commonwealth if you say give me all the records for colin hung they go and give you all the records whereas in other interoperability platforms you say hey intermountain is there a record for colin hung oh no there's not mayo clinic is there a record no xyz you know like insert the organization and so that's still a battle that I, you know, I I don't think is one. Some people are maybe are more clear and think they know where it's going to go than I do. But I think that's still a battle An example of, you know, will this be really valuable? Because those two models are both valuable, but one is more valuable than the other.
1: I'm just, I'm, I'm just confused. Yeah. <laughs> like so, so, so I'm basing my, my cell only on my confusion. So, I mean, I hope it does work. out. I mean, let's, let's be honest. I mean, I think, uh, you know, I hope interoperability does get better. Um, but in terms of like, we've got so many different options, so many different ways. Uh, I I don't know if this is the one that's going to be the one that magically is going to crack the nut and go, Oh, okay. Because we have this mechanism now and this, uh, this way of operating that, Hey, we're going to, it's going to be solved. It's going to be fixed. So we'll, we'll see. And the
0: Q hens won't make it worse. Is that, that's a, that's a pretty tepid uh, endorsement of
1: yeah, Great. Great. It won't make it worse. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. You should that's eat some problem. vitamin C. It's not going to make you feel better, but it's not going to make you worse. <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs>
0: No, and I, you know, the good news is with the QHINs is that the people behind it, the organizations behind it are well versed in what's already occurred with interoperability. So, you know, I think at least in that regard, it's bringing them together in an interesting way uh, and hopefully we'll solve some of the information blocking. In fact, that's the only teeth that maybe could be applied to this is if you're not participating in QHIN, is that considered information blocking at some point? I I don't know the legal exactly. But that is one potential one is, hey, you're not sharing and the QHIN is the way to share and you're not doing it. So there could be penalties there or other consequences. So maybe. (laughs) Yeah, no, and you're right. You're spot
1: on in terms of the companies that have been approved already as QHINs. I mean, Health Guerrilla, Commonwealth, No2, I mean, it's quite a project. These are are organizations that know what they're doing, right? They're They're not sort of new organizations that popped up overnight. So... Uh, really, yeah. really good there. I mean,
0: Epic's kind of new to interoperability, right? They're, they're, right. So, yeah, you're right. Yeah. And actually, it right. is a new organization, right? Like their QHIN announcement is like, it's some name that you're like, wow, I, I don't know if the marketing person got that. It's like, I forget what it is, an Epic Interoperability Initiative thing. <laughs> and so, you know, it, it is interesting. I guess technically that is kind of a new organization for Epic. <laughs>
1: Let's go to the next one, John. Are you buying or selling that home care will make an appreciable difference in the way care is delivered?
0: I mean, this one's a tough one because I think home care has exploded and I think it's going to explode even more. I think the opportunity there is going to be huge. And, and I, I say this somewhat tepidly that I'm, I'm selling that it actually makes a difference. And I think the only exception might be for some individual patients. So for some individual patients, I think, yeah, they'll get discharged a little bit earlier. And and that, I think, is an appreciable difference. So in the lives of some patients, that will be better. But do I think it's going to do anything to stop the trajectory of costs in healthcare? No. Do I think it's going to improve the care that they've received? I mean, I, I get it. I've seen all the studies that say patients recover better at home they avoid the you know hospital acquired conditions and like that but I don't know. I just don't think it's going to make that big of a difference, you know, pushing them to the home. Uh, you know, I'd love to be wrong on that. You know, so I guess I, I'm selling that home care really lowers the costs, improves the care in such a dramatic way. But I think there will be some happy patients that get discharged a bit earlier and get to have an experience at home that is is a little, you know, higher quality and it's in a place that they're comfortable with That I that I'll buy, but the rest, no.
1: Oh, okay. I am buying this one. Um, I am buying that home care will make an appreciable difference. Now, I will uh, just caveat that by saying not in the way that we classically think of bending the cost curve or like, is it dramatically going to improve outcomes across the board for like everybody in healthcare? The answer is, I don't think so. At least I don't, yeah, I don't think the way we're currently envisioning healthcare. But I think it has make and will make an appreciable difference in a number of areas. First of all, I do think patient experience is going to improve for those patients who can be at home more or maybe not even have to go into a hospital, right? Get complete care at home. I think also the home care explosion has spawned a whole bunch of interesting, innovative care delivery organizations. Now doctors and nurses are coming to your home, right? And there's services that have popped up where it's only virtual care. You know, and I think that those wouldn't have been possible had not the desire been for people to go, I don't want to go into a hospital. I don't want to go into a, a healthcare facility. I want to get my care in my home. I also think it's single handedly going to save companies like Best Buy, right? where, where because now they've got whole sections dedicated to health applications and health devices that you use in your home and they have service people that will come out and help you set them up. Right, um, and we've heard about a lot of RPM companies that where they've taken on this sort of outsourcing model, where they not only provide the actual devices, but actually will provide all the support and the and the handholding that the customers need to just to, to get those things working in their home. So, I think. Uh, it's actually made a big difference, just not necessarily in classic healthcare. I think it's just spawned a whole bunch of of new companies. And, and I'll even add one more layer. I think it's going to drive the need for 5G everywhere, right? <laughs> just because we're going to have so many more connected devices in our homes. So I think it's going to have a, 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 an appreciable difference, just not in the metrics you're talking about in terms of bending that cost curve or like improving outcomes universally across the board.
0: Yeah. And you're right that the devices have come a long way that they can go to the home and we're seeing that, right? I mean, I heard first heard about some of this idea of Alan Portella when he was, you know, launching a a new company as part of Airstrip, right? To say, why can't we have an ICU at home? I mean, that that was kind of his vision that he described. And interestingly enough, he just switched to uh, Massimo. So it'll be interesting. He's implementing these same principles at Massimo now, which, uh, you know, that'll be interesting to see how that evolves for him. But you know, it's in. It is a good thing, right? Like, I don't think the home care is a bad thing. I think patients will be enjoy it. But I started looking at it, and I, I get pretty skeptical when you look at the business models of healthcare. Okay, all of those devices are they going to lower costs, or are they actually going to increase costs? And I know this is making me the curmudgeon skeptic on the on this episode, but like you know, we know that we do stuff in our best interest. And a lot of that data could be used to drive more cost rather than to lower cost if we're not careful in how we apply this. In you know, in a fee-for-service world versus value based care world that could be a problem. So, you know, we'll see how it gets implemented. And that that's my fear with home care is we're just going to drive more higher cost services that is going to make healthcare actually more expensive rather, you know, and maybe they get better care. That's good. I guess we can appreciate that outcome, but otherwise, yeah, it scares me.
1: Yeah. No, I think you, you on know, something in your first part of your answer. I, I don't think that home care is going to really help, um, the majority of patients who have multiple chronic conditions who need that higher level of care. I mean, there's there right now, anyways, there's not the technology or the infrastructure to support someone like that at home, maybe in a sort of like one day here, or two days there kind of thing, maybe I could do instead of having to come in to get something done, I could just do it virtually or something. I can maybe see that, but it's not going to move the needle in terms of like how many, like you're, you're only in the, or you're only at the hospital, like half as much. But I think for, as you, to your point, I think for people who have uh, a very uh, short um, illness uh, or, or recovering from a procedure, I think there those those situations it will make a very big difference for those patients and for costs uh, for those patients because things are now done at home. But but let's be honest the majority of healthcare isn't the majority of healthcare costs aren't caused by those people like with uh, you know who have an acute episode. It's the folks who have multiple conditions, and we I don't think home care is really targeted at those folks just yet.
0: Well, and I think there are pockets of innovation that are going to be really interesting. I mean, I, I saw a CES, uh, a Vision, which is basically a video camera that does fall detection. And so, you know, I, I think there are pockets. And so, you know, could we reduce the number of falls? Absolutely, right? Or sure. could we detect them when they happen so they don't pass away? I mean, so I think there are pockets that are going to do amazing work in, in ways that we couldn't have otherwise. But, uh, you know, I think it's going to be pockets rather than transformational for healthcare.
1: I agree. I agree. And I, you know, like, like I did a quick interview with title care, right. Um, mm-hmm. where we showed the whole in ear, a camera thing that they were doing is a self, you know, you don't have to go to the doctor to get that done now. And now uh, just, you're right. the innovation in those devices is going to be, is going to be pretty awesome to, to continue to watch.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Hey,
1: if you're just tuning in, you're listening to healthcare it today with John Lynn and Colin Han. Today we're doing our fun buy and sell episode. So number three, John, in terms of our buy and sell, IT salaries in healthcare, the statement I'm making is IT salaries in healthcare will continue to go up. Are you buying or selling that?
0: I mean, I, I, uh, I think every IT person is going to hate me after this, but uh, that's okay. I'll accept it. Uh, but I'm actually selling it. And the reason I'm selling that is, is multiple fold. The first one is I think that nurses and doctors with all the burnout, with the supply issue we have with nurses and doctors, and the fact that the supply issue is really hard to solve because it takes multiple years of education and degrees, et cetera. uh, I think it's going to be so bad that the budgets are just not going to be there for the IT salaries. And so the nurses and doctors and all these travel nurses that we're bringing in, et cetera, that's just going to eat away the budget. And the other thing that we're seeing is because of that, And because of the consequence of that, combined with some revenue management issues that kind of came out of COVID as well, combine all of those together and these organizations are going to be, and and they already are, in fact, I heard it from an IT professional, these massive cuts of IT staff as part of the organization's efforts to get their financials right so it's it's much easier for them to cut an IT person than it is a nurse which is already short right and so so they are they're cutting many of these IT professionals that they don't see the value in and you know and so what's got that what you know the other part of that happening is They're cutting all those people, and now those people are going to be looking for jobs. So you have a supply of IT professionals, you have revenue pressures, and that's why I think IT salaries are going to have an issue and not continue to go up.
1: Interesting, I am totally buying this. The complete opposite of you, um, you so I'll be IT's friends. friend. <laughs> <laughs> I basically just want the I just want the accolades. That's what I
0: want.
1: <laughs> no, but uh, but I so I do agree that IT budgets are probably in danger and that they're shrinking. But I think salaries are actually going to continue to go up. Um, first of all, I think you're asking people to do more uh, who are remaining with you. So I think in in general, they're going to have to increase people's salaries because they're just going to be burning. Like they're going to be doing the work of two people. Right. And so I think they're going to have to pay them more in order to get these people to stay because I think you're going to, unlike other areas of healthcare. Um, I think IT people know that they're pretty mobile. Right. And they're going to bring that up when it comes time to negotiate their salary to say, listen, you have cut four of my friends. Right. I'm now doing the work of three people. Uh, you know, you need to bump my salary at least by 25%. And and so so I think that's going to be an issue. And I also think that I don't think I I think in terms of attracting people to healthcare is still going to be a problem. It's not like healthcare all of a sudden became this grand destination for people leaving Google, mm-hmm. right? I, so I still think there's going to be a challenge in terms of getting people and attracting people to come into healthcare and and further their IT career here. And I think the easiest way to remedy that, other than a career ladder, is of course just bumping the salaries a little bit. Yeah. Add on top of that, I think just general inflation. I just think cell sal- care salaries or in IT are definitely going to continue to go up over the next few years.
0: I mean, part of your argument is the question of are our are IT salaries and other industries related and, in, you know, with related skills, are they going to continue to go up? And I'd argue they're not because of all the cuts that these companies are making, uh, that, that, you know, they're going to drive, you know, that's going to drive it down or at least keep it stable. So then the question is, does healthcare need to pay more to recruit those people, right? Uh, because if not, they could just go to another industry. I actually think that the sad part of this. Is that I think many organizations are not going to increase the salaries. And so then the highest quality people, highest quality IT people who we need to transform it, that you know are able to go to other industries because they're so creative and they're they're so you know skilled at what they do, are going to leave. And, and so I think that actually spells a a scary future for you know a lot of healthcare. To be fair, there's a lot of amazing IT people that probably could go work in other industries, but understand the mission of what we're doing and they appreciate that mission. And so that will keep some of the people here. So it won't be just a, you know, a mass exodus of people chasing the money. You know, there's enough it professionals in in healthcare that make enough that they don't need to chase the money. They want to chase, you know, purpose and other things, but I think it's going to be a challenge.
1: I wonder if that's, uh, if that is a divide on age lines like mm-hmm. meaning I, is it is it a case where because i i definitely hear that from a lot of the older ite folks who have been in the healthcare world for a long time there is that sort of it's a mission not a uh not a dollar sign that i'm chasing here but i wonder if it's in the 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 more recent grads and the younger generation as well And I, I just don't know like I, and i'm fascinating
0: ag- i could argue the other way Right. Many grads are like, Hey, I don't, why am I chasing dollars? I need purpose. I mean, like, look at all those shoe companies that donate a pair of shoes for every, you know, thousand sold. And how many, you know, young kids want to work at a company like that because they feel like they're doing some good. So, I mean, you could make the argument that it's the old curmudgeons that are chasing the money (laughs) and not not the younger kids that actually want to have purpose in their job and meaning and don't just want to get a paycheck. They want to feel like they're doing some. Good. So, yeah, I, I, but you're right. I don't have any data either way. <laughs> you know, who, who's chasing the money more? Maybe it's both. <laughs>
1: All right, John, let's get to our last one. Are you buying or selling that there will be more robots in hospitals than nurses in 10 years' time?
0: So the only hesitancy for me on this one is the ten years, right? But um, it's a pretty long time frame, and that what I'm seeing the explosion of what bots can do in healthcare. I'm I'm saying more bots than nurses. And to be fair, like before all the nurses come screaming, I actually don't think we'll see a decrease in nurses either. Like I don't think it's not that the nurses are going to disappear and be replaced by bots, but I think we're just going to see an explosion of bots to augment what the nurses are doing. And when you look at what a lot of these bots are doing, whether it's delivering supplies, whether it's cleaning, whether it's, you know, and you know, and if we really get into it to if we include bots on websites and things like that, which I'm not even necessarily including that, right? Right. But I could include like the OmniCell, you know, pharmacy bots that are doing medications and delivering medications and that are, they have other bots that do compound medications that are more reliable than humans. Like when you look at those bots and all that they're doing there, you can see a lot of potential for bots to do some really amazing things in, in healthcare organizations. And we're seeing many of them embrace that because one, they can't get enough humans to do a lot of these tasks. So I think that there's going to be an explosion of bots that's going to make it so that there are more bots than nurses.
1: I I'm on the fence on this one. I I think <laughs> but I think I'm leaning on the cell side. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure there's going to be more robots in hospitals than nurses in 10 years. A I think I actually think the number of nurses is actually going to grow, (laughs) because I think first of all they are much cheaper than physicians, and I think just the the what we're going to ask of nurses and we're going what we're going to allow them to do I think is actually going to change over the next ten years because of the acute problem we're experiencing now where we don't have enough of them, right? So this whole you know you know we've already seen you know practicing across state lines and and these kinds of things I think it's just going to continue because we're just going to be continuing to struggle with with getting enough of them minted. The other thing I think is going to happen is if the laws of supply and demand uh, hold up, uh, I also think that there may be a glut of nurses coming through as we people now realize, Hey, getting into this career is great. And all of a sudden we're going to have all these nurses come through the other side. And now, you know, all of a sudden, what are we going to do with all these nurses? Well, we got to find jobs for them and we're going to, because. When's the next uh uh uh, crunch gonna happen? So I think they're actually gonna be more nurses. So I don't think it's actually gonna be the same. I think it's actually increase. Hmm. But I also think on the bot side, um, yeah, I think we're gonna reach peak bot pretty soon. Like how many more bots can we really have to deliver medications? How many more bots do we need to go clean some stuff? Like you only need two or three of these things, right? Like it's not like you need a fleet of 40 of them, unless you have a giant Uh, like a giant facility because the point is they can work 24-7, right? Like, like you don't need 40 of them to clean everything in five minutes. You know, you can have the robot clean this room and then that room and that room just keeps operating 24-7. So, I'm not sure there's going to be more bots. I, I do think there will be more application for automation, but you know is the is the da Vinci robot a really a robot or is it just an extension of that person on the other side, right? like uh, controlling it? Um, so I, it depends on whether like autonomous robots versus a ro- like just a, a community guided one. I think there's sort of we're splitting hairs on the definition, but but I don't see uh, as many robots in 10 years.
0: Well, it's it's fair to say what's the definition of a robot, and uh, you yeah, we we can certainly argue that, uh, you know, and when we do the follow up to see if we're right or wrong, but uh, <laughs> you know, uh, I, I I still reference you know the the movie The Greatest Showman and the song Never Enough, never, <laughs> never enough. Bots, are you kidding me? Like we want more bots to help us, right? Like uh, I think we're gonna see that, right? And we're gonna see where uh, people want more bots and and then there's going to be bot jealousy, right? Between different (laughs) floors where they're like, wait, how come they get the bot and we didn't get the bot, right? And we want it, you know, ourselves. So I, I think we'll see more and more, you know, the interesting one that I don't know if this is considered a bot or not, but it's pretty autonomous as well is things like drones. And I don't know how much they'll be used in hospitals themselves, but in healthcare, drones are going to really explode too as far as delivering medications, delivering devices, devices. We see that even in the, um, Emergency response, where you know a drone might dr- deliver a, a defibrillator, uh, which I can't say that word usually. It's, uh, I'm impressed I got it, but uh, you know, like it, those things are happening as well, and they're they're largely autonomous. Go to this GPS coordinate, and when we see the deliveries that are happening in the consumer world, that's going to happen in healthcare as well. Will it be in the hospital? No, it won't. Help my argument that there's more bots in the hospitals, but those are essentially bots that are de- de- delivering a lot of stuff. So I, I think you know, there's a lot that needs to be delivered and bots are going to solve that. So never enough bots, Colin.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I also think, John, that I didn't mention is I do think the infrastructure in the hospitals needs to be upgraded in order to handle these bots. Like you need IP-controlled doors, IP-controlled elevators in order for these robots to get to where they're going. And I think, unfortunately, we're not going to be at a point where the entire infrastructure of the health systems and hospitals are going to be replaced in 10 years. Because mm, uh, to retrofit fair. an older hospital yeah. with that is, is pretty hard. 5G
0: We'll see. We'll keep, <laughs> we'll keep
1: score and see who's right. Yep. <laughs> hey, thanks to all of you who tuned into this episode of Healthcare IT Today. Find out more details about our show by checking out the programs page on healthcarenowradio.com, and please share your voice and engage with the community at healthcareittoday.com and on social media using the hashtag HITSM. I'm Colin Hung with my friend and Health IT collaborator John Lin. Thanks for listening and have a great week.